This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there listeners, Malcolm here, and on today's show, we're talking taxes. More specifically, we're talking about tax prep and how to know when to DIY and when to hire a pro. I recently wrote a blog post about this for the Malcolm on Money blog, and if you read that one already, you may have noticed I am a bit firm in my opinion that the DIY approach is almost always more trouble than it's worth, at least for this audience. For some people, especially younger, less established people, their financial situation is very simple and straightforward, which means that the tax filing can be done pretty quickly and without much effort, which also means it can be done on the cheap. If you have a rather straightforward tax situation with only one or two income sources and a few deductions here and there, those basic versions of tax prep software were created with you in mind. But for the rest, filing your own taxes requires hours of finding and preparing documents checking and rechecking your math, a few intense Google searches, and in the end, you still could end up missing a key item or two that makes all the difference in you owing the government or them owing you. Which is why my clients have all heard me say, and probably at nauseam, honestly, you make too much money to be filing your own taxes. It's a stance that I feel very firmly about for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into in a bit. However, I'm also very much aware that I don't know everything there is to know when it comes to taxes, and there could be something that I'm missing here. So I decided to call up a friend who, in fact, knows far more than I do about tax day and see if she would either confirm my bias or set me straight. Erica James is both a certified public accountant and a certified financial planner. She currently works as a manager and client advisor for a mid-sized investment advisory firm here in the D.C. area, but prior to, she spent time in a big four accounting firm, a boutique tax advisory, and even prepared taxes for clients on her own for a time. So needless to say, she's seen all sides of the tax prep equation. So with that brief introduction, Erica James, welcome to the Tech Money Podcast. Thank you, Malcolm. I am excited to be here. Well, don't be too excited because we're talking about taxes, and that's like America's least favorite topic to listen to a podcast on so it's america's least favorite but i actually enjoy it i know which is so strange but you know i guess that's what makes you great at what you do right like 
You got to love it. You do. You do have to love it. So before I get too much into uh, the show at hand, I know that I breezed through your resume a bit in my introduction there. So why don't you fill me in? Fact check me. What did I miss? Well, I think I think you've summed up my 15 years of work so far (laughs) quite well. I will say that, you know, I majored in accounting and and thought that would be the end all be all. After 10 years of working in a few different accounting jobs, I I realized that I wanted something more. I ended up taking a two year sabbatical to go teach English in Colombia and immerse myself in in the Spanish language. And then when I got back, I switched gears into financial planning. And I can safely say it's been one of the best decisions of my life. And I'm, I'm not looking back. It's a, I love it's a helping you, profession. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I cut you off. My bad. It's a helping profession. Go ahead and finish your thought there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a helping profession. And it's just it's a career where I can work with numbers and people on a regular basis. And the, the profession itself is just so new that there's a lot of room for growth and development, which, which has made it really exciting. Fully agree. Obviously, I'm biased. Um, But (laughs) what I was going to say before you were so rudely interrupted was just that I like how you casually threw in there that you spent two years teaching in Colombia. But like, (laughs) I think that's one of the most interesting things about you and not the fact that like you spent the time in Colombia, but the fact that like how many people do you meet who are like, man, I really wish I could just, you know, pack it up, you know, move across border somewhere across the water somewhere, spend a couple years living abroad, you know, put on a backpack and go hiking for a year through Europe and all these different aspirations that people have. And I mean, other people, not me. I love where I live and don't have any aspirations to go backpacking anywhere. But like so many people do, but you've actually done it. And I think that's one of the most interesting things because, like you know, we talk about it a lot, but people don't actually do it. So, you know, to me, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it's very non-traditional, but it was one of those things when there's not a lot of opportunity, I think, in life to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And switching careers kind of provides that opportunity. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't married. I didn't have any children. I did have a home, but that can be, and it was rented out. And so beyond that, I didn't really have a lot of things holding me back. And so it just presented the the, the right opportunity and the right time. And I, I took advantage of it. Well, good for you. Um, I, I talk to clients all the time when we start talking about life planning and goals planning and all that kind of stuff. And one of the key things later on in life is, you know, they want to do a ton of traveling that probably could have done, been done, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, when you have way more energy to get up and do those things and be on 18 hour flights and God knows what else it takes to get there. But anyway, I will 18 hour bus rides. Try that. Oh, yeah, no, I will not try that. <laughs> I'll let you tell me about it. Um, but anyway, so the, the crux of the show, I, I, I spoke about it in the lead up, but I just want to uh, reiterate it for, for those who are uh, listening and thinking we're about to go off onto some Anthony Bourdain type uh, show here. It's really about, tax preparation and whether to know how to know whether it makes sense to do it yourself or hire a pro. Right. So I mentioned in the lead up, Erica's a CPA, a certified public accountant, 
and she would be considered a tax pro, right? But there's also the tax preparation software out there that can often be a great alternative to hiring a professional. And it's sometimes a better option. So I want to start with that group uh, because I feel like, you know, I, I, I kind of tipped my hand to show where I lean. But I want to talk first about the folks that tax prep software makes the most sense for. What does their profile look like in your mind? You will, you'll, you'll hear me say this throughout the episode that, that it depends um, and what that looks like. And that applies to all situations throughout taxes. From all my years in preparing tax returns, I can, I can safely say that no two situations are the same. <laughs> You've already mentioned those individuals with W-2 income, minimal investments, and a few deductions are, are generally good candidates to DIY their taxes. But mm -hmm. those same individuals could relocate across the country working for the exact same company in a year. And then all of a sudden they have to file what's called a part year resident return. Boom. Hmm. You've complicated your taxes. Or they could have minimal investments, but depending on what exactly they're invested in, they might be missing certain information that could be critical to lowering their tax liability. Mm. The, the DIY tax prep software that's out there, it tries to help you capture all the information with, with all the you know, hundreds of questions that they, it feels like they make you go through, but it requires a certain level of knowledge to one, interpret the information, you know, two, know if it applies to your situation, and then three, where does where do you even go to find that information so to answer your question there is no profile per se for for mm -hmm. using tax preparation software but if you consider the last year or so of your life basic and there weren't a lot of moving parts then you might be a good candidate to prepare your own taxes so in a year though where i have a major life event right so the the uh, turbo taxes of the world do have uh, triggers that say, you know, did you get married? Did you buy a house? Did you have a baby? Those kind of things. They, they, you know, prompt you to say, yes, I did have these things happen in my life that, that typically are a big deal tax wise. But in my opinion, those are also things you want somebody experienced to show you how to report them on your return. If this is the first time you're ever reporting them, right? Such those life events all impact your tax filing tremendously. And the first time you document them on your taxes can make a huge difference down the road. Um, is it an oversimplification to say that anybody going through any of those life events needs to hire out? In short, I would say yes, it is okay. an oversimplification. None of the situations that you just mentioned necessarily make your taxes more complicated beyond self-preparation. The tax software that's that's commonly available actually does a good job of helping people with accounting for those life changes. As you mentioned, they have the different questions. They trigger the responses to say, hey, is this something that happened to you? Do we need to get more information? But you have to evaluate how that said event really changed your financial situation. For example, mm -hmm. you had a baby. Did you hire a nanny or pay for daycare? Or when you purchased your home, did you rent it out or make any major upgrades? If the answer to these questions is yes, then then that's when you might want to talk to a professional. On you know, on the other hand, if it's no, then you still might be able to self-prepare because again, the software is prompting you and asking you you know some of the right questions. One of the things, or two things actually, some misconceptions that I hear often, and it kind of relates to you know buying a home and getting married is. 
one, when people get married, sometimes they want to take a year or two before they completely combine their finances. And hmm. this is fine for bank accounts and brokerage accounts. But if you're legally married, you only have two filing options for tax purposes. Hmm. And that's married filing jointly or married filing separately. And what a lot of people don't realize is that they can miss out on higher deductions or credits by electing to file married filing separately. And then that's when it comes it to purchasing a home, um, if the home is used as your principal residence, then the biggest tax implication is what's your mortgage interest and your real estate taxes. And since the standard deduction is much higher now, and this was a result mm -hmm. of the passing of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in, in 2017, the mortgage interest and in real estate taxes might might not even have an impact on your return. So it's it's really at the time of sale that taxpayers should be should be more attuned to to the tax consequences of of that particular transaction. Hmm. Okay. That that's a totally different tilt that I didn't even consider in that when it's time to sell. I think that again just complicates it even further. But I'm I'm learning something new in talking to you about that. But I I, I said it while you were. Uh, making your point there about folks who are married who still elect to file separately. The tax code is, is, in my opinion, pretty penalizing in the way it treats people who are married filing separately. Um, I know that does make sense in some nuanced situations for people, like maybe if one spouse owns a business and the other doesn't or something funky like that, but it usually penalizes you for being married and filing separately. So that that's a whole other can of worms, but I, I just, as you were talking about it, that jumped out to me that maybe somebody needs to know that because I didn't even think about the fact that there could be people who are recently married who say, well, yours is yours and mine is mine. And so we even file our taxes separately, not realizing that they're giving up quite a bit in uh, tax consideration in doing so. Um, but there, so, yeah. so there's not any rule of thumb though, that says once you've elected to work with a professional, to file your taxes, you have to go back and, and uh, go back to that person again, right? You can still, you know, hire a CPA, hire uh, an enrolled agent, hire a, a, a tax preparer to file for you. And then the next year, now that you understand your situation a little better and how things work together, go right back to self-preparing, right? Am I, am I correct or incorrect in that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's your financial life and and I tell people you can govern it accordingly. If if you find that, you know, on average and I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but your taxes are straightforward and you have the patience and you have the time to self-prepare, then by all means go ahead and self-prepare. There might be a one-off exciting year when you realize, okay, maybe I need help with this one transaction or something happened where it makes sense to outsource. And then in the following year, things go back to normal and they get in air quotes normal because it depends on everybody's situation. You can start self-preparing again. I mean, typically as young professionals, I think as advanced in their careers, a normal year gets harder and harder to come by. There's just a lot of moving parts, things are changing and it, it helps to have, have that professional resource available to, to help prepare your taxes. And another thing that I think is, is really important is that just like with any other relationship, the value that you get out of working someone with someone mm -hmm. comes over time. 
and they start to understand your tax situation, you get to know them a little bit better, and then they can start making recommendations to help you move beyond the thought of tax preparation to tax planning. And planning and strategy are very different from someone who just prepares your taxes. Mm, kind of like hiring a financial planner. Mm. Couldn't <laughs> I, I, I couldn't see that plug laying right there and not <laughs> take advantage of it. So sorry. But like every or nearly every financial transaction includes some sort of tax component, right? Like as we're talking about this, all the major milestones that I mentioned, we know those to be pretty big things, but there's also just the more mundane things, like for those people who get paid a portion of their their compensation in stock options, for example, those things are gonna be vesting every single year that this is what you do for a living, right? Or you know, if you own rental real estate or something like that. So my own rule of thumb is that if you plan to claim deductions, like I mentioned some of them, but like mortgage interests, um, state and local taxes paid, student loan interest if you're under the threshold for that, large enough medical expenses, maybe you give a good bit to charity, like all of those different things. If you claim if you plan to claim two or more of those is my threshold, then you need to itemize is the way that I look at it. And you need to if you need to itemize two or more of those things, then you probably need to hire out. Agree, disagree? I will not disagree with you, but I will say in in my opinion, Claiming itemized deductions doesn't necessitate hiring a professional. So the standard deduction is higher than it's been in the past, right? With the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that passed, it raised it to $12,400 for single, $24,800 for married filing jointly. And that is the 2020 limits. But even if you have those deductions, it, it may not matter where a professional could be helpful in when you have to itemize is making sure that everything gets reported properly. For example, there are rules around gifts to charity that determine deductibility depending on the type of gift and the type of charity, you know, and to be more specific, if someone donates cash versus a car versus appreciated stock, those all have very different treatment and they get reported differently on a tax return that you may want help with. So just in case it needs an explanation real quick, I was thinking about this as you were talking, the term itemizing simply refers to the process of choosing from, you know, an a la carte menu of all the different individual tax deductions that are available that year by the IRS and the tax code, rather than choosing the simpler flat dollar standard deduction offered by the IRS. So it's way more complicated, but can be way more fruitful in generating what we call tax alpha. And well, I just created more confusion um, and used jargon to explain jargon. So tax alpha real quick is an industry term (laughs) that basically means making sure that taxes don't eat away more of a person's income or investment assets than absolutely necessary. So uh, hopefully that helps to make it make sense, but I feel like I just created more confusion in trying to uh, to explain, you know, really quickly, just in case somebody is wondering like, well, what exactly is the difference between itemizing or the standard deduction you keep talking about? So just to, to kind of move uh, to a little bit different stance here. So, you know, most of the time when people are opposed to hiring a professional, 
it's a matter of cost, right? So let's talk for a moment about what it actually costs, because I did a little bit of online research for this. I like to to get my facts straight. So in 2019, the National Society of Accountants reported that tax professionals charged an average of $188 to file a regular form 1040 with no itemized deductions and then a state return. And then the price jumps to $294 for those who itemize their deductions. And even for those who were self-employed and had to file a Schedule C, they just tacked on an extra $187, you know, and we can even call it a around $500. And that still doesn't sound like enough to me. And I know you being a CPA and, you know, just because I know you personally, you scoff at those numbers I just gave you. But like those averages say nothing of regions with higher cost of living or those with more unique and complex tax situations. But it does serve, I think, as a solid guide when comparing the cost of going it alone or hiring out. Um, but regardless, uh, you know, what would it actually cost, you know, on average, uh, to your knowledge, if I said, I want to hire somebody to prepare for me versus going the, you know, H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt or TurboTax or whatever else route? Yeah. The, the cost of tax preparation depends on on so many factors that it's it's hard to give you a number or even a valid range. I mean, yeah. I've seen anywhere from $200 to $3,000 and and more for for a tax return. And you kind of touched on it, but your your solo practitioner and franchi franchise tax preparation office like a Jackson Hewitt or an H&R Block are going to be on the lower end while your established CPA firms are, are going to be on the upper end. And since cost is a factor, usually when, when deciding who to work with, it's, it's important to understand how your final invoice is calculated. So some firms charge based on the number of forms in the return, and that, that usually correlates to the complexity of, of your return. Others might charge based on the amount of time that they spend working on the return. In larger firms, there's varying rates for the level of accountant that's that's working on on the return. So usually a junior junior accountant will do the majority of the work and the data entry, and then the partner will come and spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour reviewing their return and eventually signing off on it. And and all of that adds up. So it's it's really important that you know, with cost being a factor, as it should be, that you understand how it's how it's calculated and hire accordingly, because the last thing that you want to do is have a really great experience working with somebody and, you know, get your tax return and at the end of the whole process, get the bill and regret every decision you just made. <laughs> That's that tax alpha uh, that I was talking about. You need somebody that's going to help create some alpha above what you could do if you were self-preparing, but that probably kind of goes without saying. Um, but, you know, generally when you say accountant, right, it's a big term and people think of CPAs, right, like you. And you guys are considered the gold standard when it comes to tax preparation since you're licensed accounting professionals, you typically possess a graduate degree in accounting, right? You mentioned you had uh, degrees in accounting and you've studied for and passed the rigorous CPA exam, right? And you've got significant experience in the field, right? You mentioned you've been doing this 15 years, but all tax preparers are not required to be CPAs and all tax preparers are not created equal, 
right? Is there a difference in cost between working with a CPA or EA uh, enrolled agent for those who uh, might not recognize that term or, you know, general tax preparer from one of the franchise locations that we were talking about? Malcolm, I love this question. And <laughs> before I get to the cost for each of them, I think I think it's important to just take a moment and highlight the differences between the three. Please, so you mentioned the CPA, which is the most recognized designation of them all. You know, it carries high expectations and the gold standard, as you as you said. Mm-hmm. I I want to remind listeners that all certified public accountants do not do taxes. <laughs> For example, I earned my CPA in 2008 when I was an auditor at a big four firm. I knew nothing about taxes, but everyone assumed that I did just because of those those three letters. So if you're working with a CPA, a solo CPA, you, you want to make sure that person has a background in individual or business taxes, depending on on what you need. The the EA or the enrolled agent is the highest credential awarded by the IRS. To become an EA, you have to pass a comprehensive three-part exam that covers individual and business taxes. And then like CPAs and attorneys, they have the right to represent the taxpayer before the IRS. And then finally, there's the tax preparer. And and these individuals usually have gone through some training, but they're not certified by the IRS or a state accountancy board. And they haven't taken any major exam, right? So I think people like to know that their advisors are certified, but Mm -hmm. experience is also what really makes the difference. You could work with a CPA with one year of experience who won't have the same knowledge of a tax preparer who's been doing this for 20 years, right? So the, the, the cost, I would say, the more credentialed and experienced the professional, the higher the cost. And CPAs typically have to spend a lot more time and money to become certified, and that's why you tend to see them commanding a, a higher fee for their for their services. But that experience that a tax professional or an EA might have over the years can also potentially drive up the cost, and, and their services w- could be just as good as, as working with the CPA. It's also important to point out that one of the reasons that that CPA could be quote unquote expensive is because they're overqualified for your personal situation. And I know you kind of alluded to it, but I want to make sure that I make that clear that sometimes people will say it will have sticker shock to your point. You get the invoice and you say, oh, crap, I'm never going back to that person or I'm never hiring a CPA again or whatever. And the reason is because you didn't necessarily ask enough questions on the front end to select properly because CPAs who have, you know, super heavy experience in audit and big four accounting experience, like we were talking about, they're probably overqualified for the thing that you're throwing at them, but they're Mm -hmm. still going to charge their hourly rate for having all of the other expertise that they have that's unrelated to you. So I think that's Mm -hmm. an important note to throw in there in defense of uh, those invoices um, that that people get. But then another thing you said that I thought was important to highlight is the fact that the CPA or the EA enrolled agent has the capacity and the credential and the every the wherewithal is probably another important piece of it to represent you in front of the IRS if something were to go awry. And that's important. Why? 
Well, you just want to have it, it's it's similar to to being in the in the legal arena, right? So if you're working in if you're going to go to court, you want somebody that has studied and knows what it is that they're talking about to represent you, and that's what the CPA and the EA have done. They can they know what to look for and you know what you should be representing and presenting to the IRS if something were to, if, if you were to be questioned or audited or, and, and what they're looking for mm -hmm. and what typical audit triggers are i think that's also uh, another important one because there are certain things that you can do on your tax return when self-preparing or even having someone do it who doesn't necessarily know uh, the nuances Sometimes they're very simple looking things that can create audit triggers for the IRS to immediately pick yours up out of the pile and get rolling on it. So just something to be aware of. But there's, you know, a time savings associated, too, with hiring out. Right. The IRS uh, estimates, according to my research again, right, I did a little bit of digging for this. And the IRS estimates that you'll need to set aside about 16 hours to complete uh, a form 1040. I don't know how true that is or not based, based on having done them myself um, multiple times, but if it takes you 16 hours to prepare and file your taxes and you consider your time to be worth, let's just say for round numbers, $100 an hour, that's a cost of $1,600 to do your taxes yourself. And that's assuming that there's no errors and all you'll need to file is a 1040 with no additional schedules. You don't own any property and uh, have kids to, to uh, you know, child care costs to account for and all those other things that go into it. How much time would you personally estimate that it actually takes to successfully self-prepare? I'm with you, Malcolm. I've prepared many tax returns in my life and, and 16 hours does seem to be on the very high end. Okay. Uh, as far as the amount of time, it, it depends on how organized you are and it depends on how complicated and involved your, your tax situation was for, for that year. I think a, a common misconception is that if you don't have to do anything when you hire out and so people think, mm -hmm. oh, I can save time, hire somebody and then I don't have to do anything. But a tax professional can only prepare an accurate and complete return if they have accurate and complete information. Yes. We've all heard the saying, garbage in, garbage out, and that applies to many situations, including taxes. So one of the best things that you can do as it relates to tax preparation is just to keep keep good records and, and stay organized. The, the stress and the time comes from having to go all the way back to last January, right? And remember how much you spent on repairs for your rental property or digging through your email and trying to figure out where the receipts are for all the charitable gifts that you did like that's what takes up a lot of the time when it when you start preparing your taxes once once you've gathered all those materials and, and you actually sit down to prepare it it can vary from 30 minutes to maybe 16 hours right depending on the complexity but even even if you self-prepare and and you complete the data entry then you still have to spend some additional time reviewing the actual forms and i I highly recommend that people, once they've done the data entry, if they're using a, a DIY tax prep software, that they go back and look at the form 1040 or the form or the schedule A and schedule B to, to make sure that it, that it makes sense. Uh, a lot of people just tend to rely on the software 
not considering that that technology cannot correct human error. So okay. if if you're not willing to to do the self review and you're not you're not confident in doing so, then that's another reason why you might consider hiring a professional. So two things in there I heard you say that I think are important to reiterate. Uh, one is about keeping good records, right? Like absolutely, you can't claim it and and get credit for it if you didn't keep a good enough record of it. And it's not going back and digging through your credit card statements and everything else to determine whether it was worth keeping. I think it's important to 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 say that you couldn't over prepare, you couldn't over keep records. I know that's not grammatically correct, but I think you know what I mean. Like there's some, something to be said for having too much data uh, and not the other way around. Right. So that to and me, that's is the really accountant in me. Yes, I am all for data. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm no accountant, but I just know like, you know, life happens. Right. So from January of 2021 all the way through, you know, February, March, April of 2022, that's you know, 15, 16 months of trying to keep track of all the things that happened to me in January, if I had a big thing that happened back then that I'll want to claim, like that just is way too much work. So I personally have an Excel spreadsheet that I am put everything into because I am super anal retentive when it comes to uh, <laughs> spending money. But whatever strategy works, you know, there's tons of software out there that does the work for you. You take a picture of the receipt, it files it away, blah, 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 blah. Like we all know how like technology can do a lot of these things for us. But I, I just thought it was important to point that out, that point that you made that like garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you don't give the software or the human enough data to make informed decisions and do the right thing on your behalf, then you can't necessarily be too upset with the outcome when they tell you that you now have to pay X amount of dollars that you weren't prepared for uh, because it just it, it didn't make it onto onto the return. But that kind of gets me to another question that I had, you know, in my mind to ask you, which is what if I find that I've made a mistake and I need to correct it? How do I go about making changes after I've already submitted that return? Yeah, that that happens more often than you might think, and I think people, when they hear the the idea of having to amend their return, it, it sounds scary. It can be a quick fix. It's it's often a hassle, but it it happens. You what you need to do is file what's called a 1040x or an amended return for federal, and then there's a, a corresponding form. I don't know the name because there's 50 different states, so there's 50 <laughs> different returns, but you would need to file an amended return for your for your state as well. I'm not as familiar as how, as how this works in a self-preparation software, but mm -hmm. a professional can definitely help you navigate when, when you have to amend your return. And again, I, I, people tend to be reluctant to to do this but if you find an error or if you found that you've omitted some expenses and it would be in your favor then by all means and go ahead and amend that return and on the flip side if you find an error and it's income that you've omitted the irs has a way of, of knowing what income you've made particularly mm -hmm. if it was if it was through a, a job or a contractor and it's something that you forgot to add or hopefully you didn't purposely omit, you still want to go back and amend your return because there are hefty penalties for willfully <laughs> reporting false information or omitting information on your tax return. So it's, it's idea to get ahead of it. 
And also, like, if you get that form in the mail that says, you know, here's a 1099 from that thing you did for only two months and made $600 and you forgot about it. So you didn't report it because you just submitted everything two weeks ago because you wanted to hurry up and get your refund. And now here's this extra $600 of income. Oh, my God. Well, I'm just not going to put it because I don't want to have to worry about it um, to your point that you are making. The IRS already knows about it because whoever the employer uh, is that sent you that 1099 also reported that income to the IRS because they had to write it off on their side. They're not going to take that hit on your behalf, I'm sure. So just be aware that they already know about it. So you might as well go back and make the amendment to uh, save yourself some heartache later. Um, exactly. And and so, that's... and. Well, I was so one of the things also that you mentioned in there about hiring a tax pro way back before was about the relationship with that person. Right. And how you kind of have this ongoing relationship where they know your situation, you know them, blah, blah, blah. And they can ask last year and the year before you had X, Y and Z that also showed up as income on your return. I don't see it in the documents that you sent me. Did you not do it this year? Should we take that out now? Did you just miss sending me the form? Whatever, you know, the question is, and that can allow you a second chance to make sure that it does actually uh, make the return. And then also, like, if there is a mistake, because we're talking about professionals here and professional practitioners versus the software, I do for a fact know that you can file an amendment using like a TurboTax software or somebody comparable. They do charge you for filing the amendment. But if you have a relationship with that tax professional, um, they may not charge you for filing the amendment, um, just depending on, uh, you know, your relationship with them, how complicated it is, that sort of thing. But just something to be aware of, too, that like having that relationship with a human person also might make the difference between you having to pay to make the change versus, you know, not. So, sorry, I cut you off again. I know you were going somewhere else with that, but again, just want to make sure that I get those couple of nuggets on the record for people who need them. No, those are, those are good nuggets. And one of the things I wanted to add on to what you were saying about getting a 1099, maybe two weeks after you file your tax return, I know people jump to file their returns as soon as they possibly can. They get their W-2, they get their mortgage statement. It's February 28th and they are ready. I do not recommend waiting until April 15th to file, but I'm also a fan of giving some space for for those late return or late information forms to come in, particularly mm-hmm. if you have investments a lot of times what you'll see is you'll get a consolidated 1099 which basically includes your interest dividends your transactions from any stock sales that you did throughout the year you'll get your consolidated 1099 maybe early march depending on the investments that you had, they might have some corrections and then you'll get a corrected consolidated 1099 middle of March. If you've Mm -hmm. already filed your taxes, you will have to amend your return. So while I'm not saying wait until April 15th, if you do have more more complicated things going on, it's not a bad idea to to wait until maybe end of March or, or 
middle of March to, to go ahead and, and press send. Even if you prepare it, but don't send it until you, you feel a little bit more comfortable, that's always a good idea. Amen. Um, I, I, I think we've touched on, you know, what I would consider to be sort of the table stakes, the nuts and bolts, those sorts of things that are important for just anybody in general to know about this, this conversation. But just in case I, I didn't, what should I have asked you about tax prep and anything related to it that I neglected to? Yeah, you you've already asked some some great questions. And we've we've covered so much today. And this has been great. I do have a, a few last thoughts and, and I'll, that I'll share with your listeners. And one of them is, I'll stress this again, you've already stressed it, just the importance of maintaining good records. Mm-hmm. People think they can estimate their expenses and, and other figures when it when it comes to their taxes. But in the event that you're audited, you need to have proof of those records and, mm-hmm. and you should keep them for at least seven years after filing. Second, I would say do your due diligence when you're hiring a tax professional. And that's not just about what is the cost, how much I'm going to have to pay for this, but what is the background and, and knowledge of this person that I may hire? If, if you decide to go to H&R Block or work with the solar practitioner, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you don't have to work with the CPA, but just know that they have the knowledge and experience. And even if you do work with the CPA, you want to make sure they have the knowledge and the experience. Third, and I have two, two more, but third, I would say, you know, when working with someone new, they should be asking for your prior year tax return. I've heard so many stories of people say, oh, I went and worked with this you know, tax preparer or whomever, and I gave them all my information. And I always asked, did they ask for your prior year tax return? I said, no. And in my mind, I just know that individual is not as thorough as they need to be because Mm -hmm. there's so much information that you can learn from someone's prior year tax return that any preparer who's worth their salt should be asking for that. Uh, And then finally, you are responsible for your for your taxes even if you outsource it even if you pay someone if there's errors and omissions you have the final responsibility as the taxpayer a good taxpayer or tax professional is going to make sure that you know any errors that they were responsible for they'll help you they'll help you correct them but the last thing that you want to do is be left to deal with with the consequences of dealing with you know potentially an unethical preparer or somebody who just wasn't thorough gave you a great deal on the price, help you find ways to get higher returns, and then you're left with with the consequences. So just be mindful when you're when you're making those those decisions of, of who to hire to help you with this very important once a year activity. Hey, I couldn't have said it any better myself, so I won't. Um, I thought all of that was was very important last final thoughts to get, you know, on the record. Um, I do have one more question for you, which has absolutely nothing to do with taxes. So uh, don't be afraid. But like I like to ask this of all the guests because it gives me some ideas to like who you are as as a person. Um, So let's suppose for a second that you never found your way to the wonderful world of taxes. Right. Or even accounting in general. But money was never a factor in your decision making here in this alternate universe. What do you think you'd be doing every day? That is funny because I actually think about this more often than I don't know why I do, but it, it comes up more often. And and it's actually really different than my day to day. But 
I'm pretty sure I would be an international DJ. I love music Mm. (laughs) and I love traveling. And the thought of combining the two just sounds sounds like a dream with, you know, who knows, 2021, 2020, even, you know, I I had so much free time for so much. I have more free time these days that this this might be the year that I that I learned how to DJ Malcolm. That is like. I'm excited for you. Like now, <laughs> like, you know, I didn't know Diplo was on your radar of like who, you know, professionally <laughs> you aspired to 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 uh, follow. But like, that's <laughs> that's so interesting to me. Um, and see, that's why I like asking that question, because I never know what the heck I'm going to get. Um, so like, thank you for for uh, humoring me and going in that direction. Um, this was yeah. great. Um, this was this was awesome. And Hopefully folks are, are still awake um, through all this, you know, wonderful world of tax conversation. But where can people find you if they decide they want more Erica after this? This was great. Thanks, Malcolm. This is it's been a lot of fun. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to just share a little bit about a topic that that I love. Your your listeners can find me on LinkedIn or they can contact me at my email, which is Erica dot james at sbsbllc.com and that's sierra bravo sierra bravo llc.com awesome well eric go ahead and take us home man well i'll tell you what i i'm I'm hoping that we i personally don't offend any of the previous guests but that was the best answer to your question i've ever heard (laughs) amen amen i was not expecting that wait which one the what do DJ. I want to do? Your DJ? international yeah. DJ idea. That was, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay. Well, yeah, uh, actually, it really wouldn't bother me if everybody else was offended because that was the best answer. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Malcolm, again, you, you brought on a fantastic guest. I don't think anybody's sleeping. I know that there's that this is important information. I'm hoping that people that, that need it are listening and taking notes. And the beauty of a podcast is you can rewind. So please... Don't take notes while you're driving. Rewind uh, when you get home and uh, jot down those notes, jot down the contact information and reach out. Um, But above all, we want to thank you for listening and tuning into the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing, and sound controls powered by top advisor marketing, Crowdmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. 
The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.